0: welcome to row Two play podcast i am your game master kent blue we are an actual play podcast where i play tabletop role-playing games with my friends from all over the world so if you're ready grab a player sheet grab some dice and let's roll to play what's up everybody and welcome back to to rotoplay podcast a proud member of the rotoplay network i am your host kent blue This week we are still back in Cliffsdale, South Carolina with We Die Here, a game by Steffi Devon, which we're going to talk a little bit more about in just a moment. First thing I want to do is to let you all know that the Road to Play Network has a brand new show called Powered by the Players that just launched this past Tuesday, uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it dropped. Powered by the Players is is an actual play podcast focused on games using the Powered by the Apocalypse system. Its hosts are Kristen Devine, Morgan Nuncio, and Diana Lorraine. They're all so fantastic, and this show is so great. They're they're kicking it off with a mini-series of masks that Morgan is running, and they have a great cast. Be sure to check it out. Head over to our Twitter for more information on Powered by the Players. Follow them on Twitter. Subscribe to them in your podcast feeds. It's a great show that we are so glad to have on the network. All right, so back to We Die here and Steffi Devon. I actually have a short, just little clip of an interview with Steffi about uh, their Kickstarter that her and Liz Shapradical are doing to fund a print copy of all of the games from their Patreon. We Die Here is one of those. So, coming up right now, we're going to play that interview for more information on that Kickstarter. <laughs> All right, this week I have with me, I have Steffi DeMond, the writer of We Die here. Uh, this game we have been playing for a while now that we are all so much in love with. Uh, Steffi and Liz Shepradigal actually have a Kickstarter that should be live right now when this comes out uh, that collects all of the games they've been putting out on Patreon uh, over the past, over 2019, including We Die here. Uh, Steffi, thanks for taking a few minutes out to join me here on Road to Play today to just kind of talk about this Kickstarter for, for everybody to hear about.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Kent. Very exciting to be here. Uh, I'm steph Van. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm a game developer, designer, and writer.
0: Uh, so just real quick, let's just kind of go over what the Kickstarter is, what it's collecting, uh, and just any kind of information about that.
1: Uh, well, it's collecting 12 games that uh, Liz and I wrote over the course of 2019. We both had this recurring problem that we had a lot of, Small games waiting to be written, and some of them partially written. And at at one point in 2018, we were like, We should just start a Patreon and just release all of these mini games, do 12 of them in 12 months. So, six for me and six for her, uh, because we both had a couple of them half written. And we were like, If we wrap those up and write new ones, we can probably do 12 for 12 months. And boy, did we bite off a lot there but it worked we did 12 games and we love them and we started talking about what if we just compile them into an anthology and print all of them together in a a big uh, 200 page book Um, and then that kind of coincided with the make 100 so here we are that's what we're doing now
0: All right. Well, I think that wraps us up here. Uh, I encourage everybody whenever, which I believe that Kickstarter will be live uh, whenever this goes out. It should be live for a couple days. Um, But I encourage everybody to go out, visit the page, and back it if you can. And if you can't, definitely share with your friends and and share it on social media. Just help spread the word as much as possible. Steffi, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on and, and talking about this today with me.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. So if you want to hear more about the Kickstarter, uh, we have a full interview with Steffi that I did coming out tomorrow over on our Role to Play Level Up feed. So be sure you're subscribed to that so you can get that episode whenever it drops to hear more information about the Kickstarter, why they're doing it, what you can expect to get from it, and all the fine details of it. Uh, again, that's tomorrow in our Level Up feed, the full interview that I did with Steffi about the Kickstarter from her and Liz Shapradical. All right, not a whole lot else to talk about. Let's get right back into We Die here. A big thank you to to Steffi for turning us onto this game. And a big thank you to my players, Jay, Trevor, Kate, and Kristen, who made this game just incredible for me as a GM and just a, and just a storyteller. I couldn't have asked for a better cast of players for this. So thank you very much to my players. Uh, this game's been special uh, for all of us, and... Just like I've said already, thank you so much. But without any more ado or whatever, uh, here we go. Part seven of We Die Here. All right. So we're going to catch up with everybody. Uh, We will leave Anita screaming in the middle of the Cliffsdale night as she has come to realize her eyeball was bitten out of her face. It seems. We're gonna step back in time to earlier that afternoon. This has been one long day. We're gonna step back in time and check in with Andy. Andy, what
2: are you doing as you leave Cynthia's house? So yeah, I guess at this point Andy just kind of tells the group, I'm going home. I'm gonna go to go to sleep. I mean, I have to work in the morning. Um, he makes his rounds around town as usual as usual, very intentionally going back to the bridge. Maybe stays a little bit longer than usual, peers over the edge of it, stares at the water, probably for about a half an hour before Yoshi kind of, you know, arfs at him and they go home. And I guess he walks down the hallway to his apartment, unlocks a door, opens it and sees a note sitting on the floor what is it is it labeled anything in particular it's it's
3: just blank on the outside it's like a piece of like straight up just like notebook paper right Mm -hmm. Um, like from a little tablet Um, and when you unfold it that's all it says on the inside Uh, there is no ornamentation the handwriting is plain and like hard pressed like it was written with a lot of
2: force um, Mm -hmm. in ink Lettering's kind of big. It, and he kind of, you know, just rips the note open, pulls it out, thinking that it's probably a bill or something that just didn't show up when it should have because the postman around here is lazy. Um, and it's actually uh, April's brother, Joshua. He's a postman. <laughs>
4: he is lazy. He's the worst.
2: Um, and it just says, I know what happened to Derek meet me at the bridge at midnight and uh at that like his eyes just get really big and he goes he goes uh back to his bathroom throws open the medicine cabinet pulls out like a bottle of Nyquil like downs the whole thing and then
4: Just buy a case of that at a time. Goes
2: goes to his couch, passes out until, you know, he like sets an alarm to wake him up um, at 1130. And then I guess makes his way over to the bridge. Now, I don't know if anything else in between that happens with other people.
0: Um, Other stuff will happen with other people. We'll get to that later. Let's play this out.
2: Okay. So, yeah, at 1130, he walks over. To the bridge, he leaves Yoshi. He does not take Yoshi with him this time, and kind of pets Yoshi. I'll, I'll, I'll be back later. Um, and then just out of pure fear, grabs like the biggest kitchen knife he can find and like puts it in his back pocket. <laughs> I have no intentions of using it out of out of character, but that you know, he's terrified. And Andy goes to the bridge. Cool. Uh,
3: does he get there right at midnight or early or late Or He probably gets there early.
0: Alice, tell us about your walk to the bridge if you're there.
3: Um, I think Alice gets there before Andy gets there early. Um, Alice walks out to the bridge. Um, I think she is, so it's like fall, right? I think we established so she's wearing, like, a coat, like a pea coat, right? Um, like, military surplus. Um, she's got on her boots, um, like, a pair of, like, really old, really worn Doc Martens that have been sitting in a closet for, like, since Derek died, probably. Um, I don't know if we – I don't remember if we said how many years. That was, like, six years, probably, right? Um, five That's, years? Yeah, probably about five years. So she's got a five-year-old pair of really old, worn Doc Martens, um, like, per jeans or whatever, Um, like a hat, her hair's all stuffed up in her hat. Um, and, uh, she probably got a scarf on, um, like a black scarf. Um, and she is wearing gloves. Um, I think they're like black leather and she's got a shopping bag, um, in her hands, like a paper bag, um, with something in it that she's carrying like this, like in front of her, like holding it in front of her with both hands. I should describe for the podcast listeners who can't see me. Um, and she just kind of like walks and she's walking like very deliberately, but not like over uh, fast. And I think she gets to probably just before the bridge. And I got to remember the name of my own NPC that I created, whose name I can't remember. Kent, do you have the paper with her Jezebel? Name? Yeah. Jezebel. I think she just like stops before she gets to the bridge, like right, like her toes are like right at the edge of the bridge. And she just like sort of looks up at the moon and she just says out loud, just sort of like, hi, Jezebel. Been a while, huh?
0: So, I think when you got there, Jezebel wasn't there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But when you say it's been a while, you look down, and in the middle of the bridge, Jezebel is standing there, uh, dressed in a black dress, just standing in the middle of the bridge. Mm-hmm. And she says, it has been a while. Five years, right? Almost to the day.
3: hmm I'm gonna tell him tonight. You know, he's been coming here every day since then. Figure I know. To
0: know. I know. I I I keep an eye on him. That's good. Again, somebody ought to. You know, letting it out is gonna send waves through this town.
3: I think there's already waves going, Jezebel. We've all been seeing them. We've all been hearing them. I think we're going to have to go take a look at the cliffs to see what's going on. And I just want to tie things up real nice before we go in case we don't come back.
0: Well, you'll be around one way or the other. She kind of puts her arms out like i like, like saying, mm-hmm. like me.
3: You can't leave town, can you?
0: Just to the edge. I can leave. Uh, I don't know where I am once I leave the bridge, but I can come back. And yeah,
3: if uh, if Tabitha never hears from me again, she'll probably come back to town. Uh, keep an eye on her for me. If this place isn't a blasted ruin by then, would you?
0: I'll check in as I can. Thank you, Dezebel. Oh, and this town has its ways of surviving. Yeah, I'm sure A it does. History. A very long, fucked up hist- history.
3: I'm sure it'll go on after tomorrow, too, no matter what we do about it.
0: She kind of leans over to see past you. She says, I guess it's high that time.
2: I knew he'd be early. He always is. And she's gone by the time you finish that sentence. And Andy is now walking up um, looking a little disheveled. His hair is a mess from sleeping on his couch. Uh, It's kind of like medium kind of like my hair. A little medium length shaggy. Um, And he's wearing his work clothes khaki slacks brown dress shoes uh, white button-down shirt with a tie and a gray cardigan. What um, a dork. Yeah, he's a big dork. He's <laughs> a big old dork. Um, and he... He doesn't have his bag like usual. And he doesn't have Yoshi. Um, and he's very slowly walking up and sees Alice kind of standing there at the edge of the bridge. Seemingly was talking to something and there's nothing um and he stops a good 50 feet away from alice alice hi andy What? what was that note is this some kind of fucking joke no
3: and she like starts walking onto the bridge towards the like the middle of the
2: bridge You you don't actually know what happened To to Derek, right? You're just She she drops the bag
3: (laughs) loudly And the rock smacks against the ground Inside the
2: paper bag But Andy doesn't know it's a rock
3: No, but you hear like a loud piece of stone Basically stone on stone through paper
2: Yeah (laughs) I almost did Almost did a movie line there Unintentionally What's in the bag? (laughs)
3: Turns out Derek was decapitated. <laughs> oh, that would have been so much darker. Wow. What's in the bag? No,
2: just kidding. Uh, Back oh. up there. Uh, so he... Can you just be straight with me? Yeah. Tell me, tell me what's going on.
3: Well, he... I mean, I've never been straight, but I can now, I guess, <laughs> if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> and she he turns he around and faces you, and she just puts her hands up, and she says, the bag has... The rock in it. It came out of my nightmare the other night. What What rock? The rock I smashed Derek's
2: head in with five years ago. Andy, uh... Who was shaking, you know, pretty vigorously already. Kind of like... Buckles. He doesn't like fall, but he, he definitely buckles. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> no, you're... Um, You're kidding. You're Uh, not being
3: honest. He was wearing his football jersey and a pair of jeans, and he had his watch on. And then she describes the shoes he was wearing. Andy looks at the watch on his
2: wrist. Oh, hey, you got his watch. You pulled that out of a dream, too? And Andy's thinking back as you described the outfit, realizing that it's the very thing he found himself wearing and burned down in his sink today. Mm Mm-hmm and he's he's kind of got his hand behind his back you can probably see it mhm uh no no he, <laughs> he, we we all know what he was wearing you know you don't have to everyone knows that i mean it got around people people heard about it that doesn't mean anything that doesn't mean that you, you that you that you killed him just because you know what she, just because you know what he was wearing, that's, that's ridiculous.
3: Okay, I'll kick you the rock, and she just sort of like nudges it with her foot, so it rolls like the bag just sort of like rolls and slides from the center of the bridge all the way down to the edge where Andy
2: is. Yeah, you it's kind sort of a down downhill like kind of deal. Yeah. And he looks at the rock. Is there are there stains on the rock? There was blood on the rock when it came out
3: of my dream, so there ought to be blood on it now probably dried it into it
2: right yeah and he, he he's just looking at it he doesn't touch it yet he he looks at it oh, okay so su- supposing supposing this is true suppo- supposing you actually did this why 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 would you why would you tell me why, why would you come out and do this that's that's crazy You've been agonizing
3: yourself over for five years, and we're probably going to die tomorrow investigating this weird shit going around town. By the time we make ourselves to the cliffs, so I figured it's only right you get some closure. And if we do survive, supposing that that actually happens, you take that rock to the police. You tell them that I confess to you, and I'll go to jail. I'll go with you if you want. I don't care. I earned it. How are you? This time I start owning up for it. How are you so calm about this? Five years is a lot of time to think about something What you've done like that. Alone in this town. Tabitha can't understand. The thing I did? You fell off the bridge, Andy. You fell in the water. He was stumbling. I saw him walking. I was going to go ask him if he was sure he was going to leave town, and I saw him stumble, and he fell over the edge of the bridge. That little lip right here, and she just like puts her hand on it and slaps the stone. So he tripped over it right about here. And then he landed in the ground right about down there. And she points, other hand still held up. She says he smacked his face on the rocks by the water and he couldn't move. And he broke both his legs and he was laying there like a sorry little rag doll. And then I went down to him to see if he was okay. And he was hardly even breathing. They wouldn't have got to him fast enough. No one would have. He was already gone. (laughs) <laughs> so you <laughs> I put him out of his fucking misery Andy because he was going to be suffering for the rest of his life if he even had any left and I'm pretty sure we both know there wasn't much left to be had. I don't How's know that- I don't know what happened to him because I've never seen Derek drink once in my life. But whatever it was somebody else or something else happened to him. But I'll take the rap for it cuz I did the work.
2: How is it for you to decide whether he whether he was going to have anything left. How is that, how is that up to you? How, how could you make that decision? Ask one about it sometime, why don't you, Andy?
3: Ask him about mercy and the lesson he taught me when I was a little girl. Ask him about who gets to decide who lives and who dies if you really want to know. And keep the rock. And when we're done with all this, if we make it out alive... I'll walk into the station with you and turn myself in. You keep the rock so you know I won't get rid of it if I change my mind. Tabby took the car and she's already out of town, so there's no way for me to leave.
2: And you just you just want me to make this decision? What if if I don't turn you in?
3: If you want to kill me with the knife behind your back, that's fine too, Andy. It's your choice. And he he looks and he... I ain't got a weapon on me. Never owned a gun in my life. I brought it because I was scared.
2: And he he tosses it. I don't want to hurt anyone.
3: I didn't want to either, Andy. Man, I did. I think you find this town can make you scared of what you're capable of, things you don't understand. We've seen him in that mass, all of us, you and me at least, if I had to guess. Because they buried Derek with his watch and you're fucking wearing it. So unless you dug his grave up, which I don't think you're capable of. But then again, this town, she kind of gestures wildly, like, you know, she says, and she puts her hands down and she says. So I'm thinking you brought that out of a dream because we all asked about it. Anita saw something. I got the rock. You got the watch.
2: Alice, I. What do you, what do you, what do you want me to do with this? With Whatever this you this rock right, with this information, I.
3: No, well, I want you to keep the rock. You know, unless you want to get rid of it. In which case, sure, that's fine. By me, I don't. I mean, it's your choice. He was your best friend. It's up to you. It's only right if someone's going to decide what happens. It's you. I can't hardly take it no more, but. I've been holding it in too long.
2: I mean, at this point, Andy's just. Speechless and stands there. He stares at the rock. Um, and I mean, he he really doesn't know what to do. He's just very wrought with confusion, quite overwhelmed with emotion, uh, and and looks up. Shakes his head. I know what's going on here. It's all of this. It's all it's all it's all of this town. It's just making making us believe things that aren't aren't true i almost busted down someone's door tonight well i would have never have done that and he, he picks up the rock and he puts it in the bag. And he's like look see it's, it's like it's like it doesn't even exist i'm just gonna take it back to my apartment and you're gonna go back to your apartment and this conversation never happened right right I mean,
3: except you're gonna have the rock and you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to see it sitting there in its bag, still sitting there, real as the day it brought it home. And she just sort of looks up at the minute. And she says, I told you I was going to tell him, Jezebel. And she just starts walking past. And she says, uh, as she walks by you, I think she pats you on the back with her right hand and she says, You drink too much cough syrup, Andy. You got to lighten
0: up. And she just kind of like fucks off. And so at this point, you hear the gunshots from town,
2: Andy. <laughs> doesn't even hear the gunshots i mean i'm sure they register to his ears but they don't register to his head mm. he does not go rushing to the gunshots he slinks really back to his apartment assuming it's not on fire <laughs>
0: <laughs> no yoshi's in there it's safe
2: oh. <clears throat> yes yeah, Goes if you inside ensure,
0: and if you want to ensure something's safe he put the dog there.
2: Yeah. Unlocks the door. He has the bag with the rock in it. Shuts the door behind him. Yoshi's all excited. He's home. He ignores Yoshi. Um walks to the bathroom sink, sets the rock in it on top of the swirl of ashes. Does it still look like a swirl of ashes or is it, does it still look like the swirl or does it just look like a pile of ashes now? Um, I think it looks like a pile of ashes now. Kind of dub, does a double, not like a double take, but it's like, that's not how I remember that, you know, sets the rock down in it. um, Turns the shower on really hot and just like sits in it. And I think that's where Andy's scene ends. Do you sit in it in your coat? Oh yeah, he's in his clothes. He's oh. fully dressed and everything. Just I mean that might be a little melodramatic, but, no, I'm but I like anyway. No yeah. <laughs> All right, but no one can
0: see you cry when the shower is on. Uh let's go back to Anita. Anita has just, I mean, what's going on with Anita? She, I think we pick up with Anita as she is screaming in the middle of of her street in the middle of the night in Cliffsdale.
5: Yeah. Can I, can I change that a little bit? Sure. Um, So if it's okay, I'd like, instead of seeing Anita, I'd like to start with the camera just sees black for several seconds And then as it kind of pulls back, we start to see red around the edges of the black. And as it pulls back further, an eyebrow and a nose come into focus. And then an eye that is filled with both tears and terror. Where the left eye was, blood dripping down her cheek. And as the camera pans back further, we see that her mouth is open in a silent scream. And it holds there for several seconds as she screams at the realization of the loss of her eye and attempting to process this yellow raincoat monster that bit her eye out of her face and then she falls to the sidewalk and the camera pulls all the way back and we can see the street and all the houses remain dark and all the cars remain dark and no one comes out to help and there's not a sound to be heard. And we see Anita put her hands over her face for several more seconds as she's sobbing. And then she slowly lifts her face away from her hands and we can see that her one good eye is no longer filled with tears. Instead, it is full of rage.
0: I mean, you yeah. continue on.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so we, and sorry if we have to cut part of this, but I'm not sure April if April would react to hearing Anita scream and come back, or if you got further away, Kate, then I can have Anita get up and go find you.
4: Um. So correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Kent, but... Cliffdale's the kind of town where people don't really feel the need to lock their car doors at night, right? Probably not. All right. Uh, so when April took off running, she got probably about halfway down the block, found the nearest car, and dove into it and locked all the doors behind her. Um, and once she hears Anita screaming, she peeks her head back up out one of the windows. Uh, once she has seen that the... Raincoat monster has uh, retreated. Uh, she unlocks the door and climbs out and walks up, uh, still not having seen why it is that Anita is holding her face. Um, but she does. She does decide to re re-enter the the situation at hand. Um, uh, I, I, Anita, good good job. Good job fighting that thing. You you got it. You you sure you yeah? Uh, yeah, how you doing?
5: We have a a small problem we need to fix. And are, are you stands, out of bullets? It's probably at You're out of bullets. Anita stands up and turns around and faces April. <sighs> you're not out of bullets, April. I'm going to need you to remain calm. You've been reading okay. the medical textbook. We have yes. to fix this so that we can carry on. Okay. Remember, we have to find Alice and Andy. Right. Yes. I can't do this alone. I need you to help me fix this. I, uh, it's, it's not is- a big deal. It's going to be fine. I just need you to help me fix it.
4: I, I, it, I was just going to say it depends on your definition of fix, but um we can definitely patch it up for yeah. now. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, April walks over to the nearest car and opens the, the front door and pops the trunk to see if maybe there's a first aid kit or
1: something. <laughs>
0: Um yeah, you pop the you pop the trunk on this little red car. Uh there's spare tire in there, there's Taco Bell wrapping, uh not a sponsor. Um <laughs> and <laughs> but there is there is no emergency kit or first aid kit or I mean there's like, you know, some dirty gym clothes. Yeah. <clears throat> can find okay. something to do with those.
5: Um the, the pharmacy's well, only two blocks away. Uh, Maybe we should just walk to the pharmacy. Yes, let's do that. The cold air will be good for us. It'll 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 help us think more clearly. Yeah.
4: Let's yes, that's let's start walking to the pharmacy.
5: That's a good idea. I'm also out of bullets. Okay. Well I, so I wasn't wrong. No, it was very observant of you. You were you're correct.
0: So as y'all set off for, for Cliffsdale's small pharmacy, uh, it's a small town thing. It's not a big chain or anything. It's run by a couple of folks uh, who shan't be named unless we find them later. Uh, but you make your way there as you do. It starts to rain because, you know, just seems like it should be raining right now. So the rain starts to come down as you walk on, you get about a block away from it. And the rain starts to come down a little heavier as you're making your way and. You turn the corner and you see the pharmacy there. It's, you know, all the lights are off because it's late in midnight, at, you know, around 1230 at night. And so you, you walk up to the pharmacy. Um, yeah. And as you get up to it, you, what's your plan? Are you planning on breaking in or?
4: If we
5: have to, yes.
0: Okay. So, yeah, you get to the front and you do see that, the door is locked um, there. You know, it, it uh, I mean, it's locked up as it should be. The front door is, which is a, which a good, which is a big glass, you know, double doors that you would see. There's windows in the front. So.
5: I think if April is trying the doors, Anita hasn't even walked over to the doors herself. She just reaches back in her bag and pulls out her gun, even though there's no bullets in it. And as hard as she can, she throws her gun at the window to break it.
0: Yeah, I think that does the trick. I'm not even going to make you roll. That does the trick. You hurl the (laughs) gun. uh, The gun hits the glass, and we'll say it's one of the big big plate glass windows and just brings it raining down. I mean, it's loud, too, but I don't think, one, that's your chief concern right now, and living where you live, even if it was, you'd probably consider that people probably won't hear it. No alarm starts blaring off. Clifstile is a... Fairly small, quaint town. People don't invest unless you are a, you know, the mother of a multi-million dollar best-selling author. You don't really invest in security systems or alarm systems as such. Mm-hmm. So you now have presented yourself with a big open window you could crawl through or walk through even.
5: Perfect. Yeah, Anita steps through it and uh, picks up the gun and puts it back in her bag. Uh, April follows through.
4: And heads for the uh, first aid station, or shelving, and starts grabbing gauze and medical tape. Um, um, and she looks around for the, um, like the the pharmacy counter. Uh, Anita, do you want a painkiller or something? Or is that going to make you less sharp? But I want to dull your senses that this is going to hurt.
5: I definitely need painkillers. We should bring a bottle of painkillers. Okay. April hops the uh, counter
4: and rifles around to see if she can find the keys for the, the control drug locker and managing to find where the pharmacist has kept those she unlocks it and grabs a bottle of hydrocodone and a bottle of oxycontin
0: okay yeah as you do that you um you look over and you see that there's a bunch of bottles in the unsecured controlled you know medication cabinet that are all over the floor uh, and as you look around you See that, I mean, a bunch of stuff's been knocked over and you see that the back door is actually ajar a little bit. So someone has obviously been here before you this evening.
5: From like three aisles over, Anita calls out to April. This month's uh, Food Network magazine has a really good carrot cake recipe. I know how much you like carrot cake. We should probably bake that sometime this week.
4: That sounds delightful. Hey, funny story! It looks like somebody's already been here tonight.
5: Oh, Anita comes over.
4: What makes you think that? Well, these shelves have already been ransacked, and the back door is open.
5: Oh, are there bullets here?
0: Is that a question for me?
5: I was actually looking at April, but yeah, are there
4: bullets here? (laughs) I, I would, I would guess that. Uh, (coughs) given, given the small town, uh, South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. There are bullets here. So, uh, those are probably up by the front, by the cigarettes.
5: After April tells Anita where she thinks the bullets would be, then Anita's going to go back to the front of the store and start grabbing some bullets and some cigarettes.
0: I think it's great that everybody smokes in this. At this, <laughs> in this game.
3: I mean, we're in the south, right? So like, yeah, it, it, it's just it's good flavor.
0: Yeah.
4: Um. So uh, April, having grabbed two bottles worth of palers, a bunch of gauze and medical tape, uh, has a second thought and goes over and buys a bottle of um, iodine as well. Uh, and follows Anita up to the front. We should probably take care of this sooner rather than
5: later. Do you like um, vodka or gin better? Vodka. Anita grabs a bottle of vodka and puts her hand out for the pills. <laughs> um, April
4: opens the Oxy and... Um and hands hands Anita two tablets. Fifty milligrams each.
5: Anita has n- has never taken a painkiller in her life. She takes both <laughs> with the take, bottle of vodka. Yeah, with the fuck? not the bottle with a yeah, swig you just or whip two. The entire,
3: you whip the entire bottle, throw it at the ground <laughs> and yell yeet. <laughs> I and then you begin take- firing your pistol into the ceiling of the building <laughs> like you <were> 70 Sam.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take a out of the game 10 minutes in. No, that's why I was calculating <laughs> in my head how much I was giving you. <laughs> Thank you. Kristen figures out how to win
0: we die here. Uh, you know, taking <laughs> the character up. into a blue.
4: old nap. By uh, killing
3: everything else that moves and being the one who doesn't die here. <laughs>
4: yeah uh the, the recommended maximum daily dose is 50 milligrams but i'm pretty sure they don't usually prescribe oxycontin for uh missing eyes just saying yeah
0: <laughs> so um in, in the interest of my listenership uh i don't think we have to see this procedure <laughs> no. um, i assume it happens right where y'all are standing you know mm-hmm. you have a couple couple minutes for you know substances to kick in, and then we get to fixing (laughs) fixing the problem here. Mm -hmm. Um, What do we get whenever we're done? What's our new look, Kristen? What's Cliffsdale's foul fashion?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think April doing the best that she can with what she had just kind of slapped some gauze right over the top with a Mm -hmm. lot of you know, a lot of tape. And so after she's done, Anita gives her a hug and says, thank you. You're very good at that. Maybe you can be a nurse. Thank you. And then she says, we better, we better get going to find Andy and Alice. Mm -hmm. And on her way out, she grabs a pair of uh, pink sunglasses (laughs) and puts them on. (laughs)
0: All right, so as you two stroll back out of the door you made in the front window with your gun, Uh, we're going to leave you, let y'all wander off. We're going to go, we know where Andy is. We're going to go find out what Alice has been up to. Jay, where does Alice go from the bridge?
3: Alice is going to see her daddy. Uh, In times like this, of immense emotional distress, one should spend time with one's loving family.
0: This is a Baptist church, right? Uh, You know, it it... Resembles a Baptist church, if it resembles.
3: I mean, anything. Te- technically speaking, the sign probably would say something legitimate sounding. Baptist.
0: Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I drove by some really weird church signs this weekend that I hadn't drove by in my in my town. Uh, so in your I, town. Yeah, I think it could definitely say you know the the what was it the Church of the Wayward Sons and Daughters. Yeah. And the be non denominational beyond that. Yeah,
3: the the merciless or the merciful blood of Christ Church of Clistale, some
0: real <laughs> ominous sounding shit. Yeah. That's across town and they yeah, they, they stay low key. Same
3: same preacher though, but like nobody nobody just nobody notices because they don't ever go <laughs> to each other's
0: churches. So all right. Uh yeah, we can do that. We can knock that out here. Yeah, let's do it. So uh yeah, Alice,
3: you well, you tell me. Um, so uh, I'm gonna insert one of our weird my weird Cliffsdale dream slash nightmare here if that's cool with you um, so cliff uh, Cliffsdale approaches Alice approaches the church um, I think it's in the typical like old southern style, right so it's um it's it's more it's not like the modern style where they're like really the really big sort of mega church design and like the um contemporary it's it's very much out of the past. It's an old church it was built a really long time ago. I believe by one of the founders of town, if I'm correct. Um, yep, uh, one Charles Lakens. Yes. So um, the old uh, Lakens Church building is the same building that was built um, by Mr. Lakens and his like initial group of like his flock or the people that were around town with him. Um, it is um, relatively small. It's got a very very tall steeple, um, and it's not super ornamented. I think it's built out of probably uh, mostly wood with some like some like uh, brick accent, I think, um, and some like like plain stone. Um, there's probably like a low stone uh, retainer wall around the outside of the church um, that also extends into the the um, local cemetery adjacent. So Alice like approaches and begins to walk through this sort of like the low wall goes into sort of a gate, um, like a stone archway in front of the church. She walks through that um, and she sort of looks up towards where the moon is and um, up on the steeple of the church is a thing. Um, It's just sort of there. Um, If you didn't know Cliffsdale, you would assume that the church had a Gothic style gargoyle on it. Um, but I think the moonlight shines down as Alice sort of looks up at it, and it looks like there is a a very thin and long is the only word I can really use to describe it properly. So it's like very tall and very thin and very drawn, as if you like grab the head and the feet and just sort of stretched. And it is it is vaguely flesh colored. Um, and by flesh, I mean the underside of your flesh, that like deep dark like weird red. Um, and it's got, um, what look like flappy bits on the back, on the back of it, not like wings necessarily, but like flappy bits that like sort of hang off the sides of its back. And it's just sort of like grasping the steeple and sort of sitting with its legs wrapped around the steeple on the top of the church and staring out into the distance at a house in Cliffsdale where right now somebody is undergoing a bout of sleep paralysis and their demon has manifested on top of this church and is staring at them from across town. Um, Righteous. Alice looks up at it, sort of just goes off off key to herself like, well, I've probably seen weird during the last few days and just sort of walks into the building. Um, I don't think the thing moves or does anything. I think it just sort of like acts weird up there. So she opens the doors. The church just sort of pushes open the double doors um, and walks inside out of where it is probably starting to rain now. Um, The inside of the church smells musty and old, as old Southern churches often do. Um, It's both like earth and moss and um, fire. Um, I think it's like smoky in there. Um, I think the pews are definitely constructed a long time ago because they're made for people that are way smaller than your average person is now. And um, they don't look very sturdy. Um, They look like they're probably the same pews that have been in this church all that time. Um, And she sort of just starts walking. We hear her boots sort of clacking on the wood, the floor as it creaks. And she takes like slow, deliberate steps forward up towards where the altar is. And I think there's a weird idol there that I don't even feel like describing. It's just weird. Um, It's probably vaguely reminiscent of of a Christ figure, but it's also really weird and like off. Like just, just off. Something about it is wrong in a way that you can't really describe. Yeah, it's got a lot of gold in it, which is strange. I mean, yeah. Um, and then uh, I think the altar is sort of like big and um, set into the floor, and it's probably like crowned with wood bits, but I think it's a big like stone slab. Um, and so she walks up to it and just sort of like looks down at it. And looks up into like a side loft that is like upper level. There's like a ladder behind the altar. And there's like a ladder that goes up to like a small half-loft, which is where her dad lives and sleeps. And she just sort of like looks up at it. And I think she says out loud, uh, too late for a visit.
0: So I think you hear some shuffling um from 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 that loft. Um, uh, but pretty soon after you see the reverend uh kind of i guess sling their legs or step into step into the frame there and mm-hmm. uh the reverend's like he's tall he's like 6'4 or 6'5 he's real lanky he's got just just i mean deep black hair just that's that's kind of kind of long it's not down quite to shoulders but it's hanging just above there but it falls in pretty pretty good ways you know i think i think the reverence is a handsome older gentleman you know he's got that Mm. that weird handsomeness like that people don't pick up on it first but the more they think about it the more they like you know that is a good looking man he's got a very well chiseled jaw if nothing else like a real strong jaw yeah. And he keeps it shade. I mean, he, he shaves in the morning and then he shaves at night for, mm-hmm. for going to bed. Like that's routine from what's first thing in the morning. And then to get that, that five o'clock shadow at night, takes it all away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meticulous. Yeah. I think he steps out and looks at you like, like he's expecting you because this just your father is never caught off guard no matter what, or it never comes <laughs> off that way, at least.
3: You None know, of this shit Alice ever pulled could catch him off guard, and it's always
0: bothered her, for yeah. sure. And just stares at you for a moment, and finally speaks and says, Alice, uh, it's good to see you back in the building.
3: It's been a long time. Well, it has
0: been a long time.
3: It's been too
0: long, but when you're here, I I, yeah, I appreciate it.
3: She nods, and she's still, like, kind of looking at the altar and the weird idol thing and just sort of, like, looks over at her dad for the first time, and she sort of sighs and crosses her arms, and she says, "Um, well, I wouldn't have come here without a reason, and you surely know that by now.
0: I do. I know your wife left town today, so I imagine that has something to do with why you're here.
3: I think Alice, like has to really hold back from smiling a little bit when he talks about her leaving. Like it's it's almost creepy. Like she all she like if it wasn't her dad, she'd be creepy smiling, but it's her dad, so she's gotta hold it together. Um there's an expectation. So she maintains the same sort of stoic face that he's maintaining. And she says, um mm, things happen. I assume it was by design. You would know me well enough then. After all these years, things are happening in town. I'm sure you're aware, as uh, tuned in as you are to these sorts of things. I think
0: that gets him to chuckle just
3: a little bit. hmm And I think Alice, like, slight smile. Um, and she says, um, I wanted her somewhere safe, and I don't think the town is going to be safe, at least for a few days, not for not for average people, anyway. Um, she took the dogs, obviously. But I came here to speak to you about something. I wanted to have a conversation that we'd had a long time ago again. I think I've learned some things and I wanted to see further your perspective on the issue.
0: I think as you're talking, as you start to get in that, he starts to come down the ladder from the loft just as you're talking and listening and turns around, but stays up on the, the uh, stage area, the small stage area that the, you know, the podium or whatever's on Mm -hmm. just staying above you and stands there. And of course he does bastard says, well, We've had a lot of good conversations, a lot of which didn't land. So I'm very intrigued to see what this one's about, that it's stuck with you all these years.
3: Oh, I think it was your favorite. And she like sits down on one of the pews. I think she like takes her jacket off and like throws it over the back of the pew and like leans back into the pew, like sits way too low in it. Because um, the bench is probably like meant to be so short that you can't comfortably lean back because you're wanting, like they don't want people falling asleep. They want you to pay attention in church. So, like, it's meant to be a super uncomfortable seat, so you have to sit up straight and, like, eyes forward. So she just, like, manages to, like, lean. She, like, puts one boot, like, leg, like,
0: down to the pew and,
3: and, uh, and like, he, angles herself at him.
0: As you do that, he, uh, in re- like, kind of in response, steps behind the podium and mm-hmm. takes up a stance you're very familiar with, a stance mm-hmm. that, that he has when he really starts to hit that that sweet sermon spot where, oh, yeah. you know, the the message is supposed to land
3: i think we have had this exact same conversation in in these exact same positions or several like it for yeah. years growing up like he definitely is the type of preacher who had private sermons for his kid yeah like like you get in trouble at school when you're having a sermon about respecting the power of authority or some shit yeah as the worst so she like puts her boot up and she doesn't light a cigarette in the church yet because like she like i mean we're gonna have a basic respect the whole thing would probably go up anyway it's really old so she she puts her boot up and she sort of like uncrosses her arms and kind of like messes fusses with her hair a bit and she says um i came here because i wanted to talk about mercy again and she looks up at him like sort of knowingly giving him a look that he's seen
0: before Yeah, and I think a smile just spreads across his face uh, because, I mean, like Alice said, this is one of his more favorite things to talk about, uh, mercy and the forms of mercy that people can show and extend into others. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, have you shown mercy or are you looking to show mercy? I imagine you're not looking for my advice. You wouldn't come to me for that. So how did you, Alice, show mercy?
3: So she looks at him and she says, Tonight, for the first time in five years, Reverend, I have shown true mercy. And she starts to smile a little bit. And she says, um, Five years ago, one who was suffering was sent where he belongs, to the eternal peace of the Lord, where he may suffer no more forever. Today, I have shown someone a great mercy and a great kindness in a different way. A man who is suffering closure and understanding of the ways in which. The world was wrought to work. And she sort of like leans back a little bit, like puts one of her arms up on the edge of the pew. And she looks at him as if to be like, now it's your turn to speak.
0: He says, well, when we give people mercy and, and send them on is the greatest mercy we can do. Now, the other mercy you speak of is the thing about that one is you can only give it. And it's, up to them whether they take that mercy or not. So you gave mercy in hopes of closure, but it is up to that other person to find that closure. And I think at this moment, Trevor, what is happening with Andy as he has had this mercy and it is probably not bringing closure. I just want a quick quick cutaway to what Andy is doing.
2: So the camera sort of Cuts. I mean, it's like it's like a sharp cut, uh, but it's like before it cuts. You know, you're still hearing the sounds of the rain outside hitting the roof of the church, uh, and the rain starts to pick up really heavy, and that sound kind of increases, like almost starts to drown out the conversation that uh, Alice and her father is having, um, and it changes. It mo- the sound sort of morphs slightly from rain, and then the camera cuts immediately and it's on the back wall of the shower facing Andy's face who's sitting under it and the sound that was morphing was the rain just morphing into the shower Um and it's just the water's coming down on top of Andy Um and he uh you see him sitting there for a moment just kind of staring down at his knees and then you see him bring up from beside him a bottle of whiskey that clearly has been being nursed for a while. He takes it and he throws it back, chugs more out of it, kind of, uh, chucks it out of the side of the shower and stands up, turns the water. Actually, no, doesn't even turn the water off. He stands up, leaves the water running, uh, throws the shower curtains open and, uh, goes to his his kitchen cabinets. Um, he grabs down a new bottle of whiskey. Um, and then he goes back to the bathroom in the medicine cabinets and just literally armful, like has a bag, armful, just anything that's in there, puts it in the bag. And then he goes to his closet. He throws the clothes off that he he's currently wearing. And he... You see him kind of and all of this is in silent. Like there's no sound at all. Everything's quiet. Um, throws open the uh the, the closet door and he digs to the very back of the closet where there is a um a suit bag. He pulls it out and he unzips it. Um and inside there is a, a nice three-piece suit, black. Um and this is the uh, the suit that he wore to Derek's funeral. He puts on the suit um, and very drunkenly stumbles out of his apartment, leaves Yoshi in the apartment, um, and uh, walks out into the street, pops the whiskey bottle open, takes another swig, and begins to walk in the direction of the church, which is where the cemetery is where Derek is buried.
0: Yeah. So I think we follow Andy for a bit and see the church kind of, you know, as he makes a corner of the church off in the distance and then the reverend's voice comes back in and we shift back to end the church. Um, and he says, so all we can worry about, is giving our mercy and not be concerned with what that person does with that mercy. Quite,
3: very true. And I've not come here today for your reassurance of good deeds, because good deeds should be their own reward, not someone else's approval. We should not do them to seek the approval of others. I came here today, and she like looks. She makes a really pained face, and she just sort of cracks out through like her lips. To ask for your advice. To oh, make and a, he. Making a sour face. Mm.
0: And he does another move that you've seen before in your youth. Uh, he steps out from behind the podium and oh, his hands go back behind his back. And he stands just as big as he can be and smiles. He says, My daughter, what advice are you seeking from me? Just smiling as big as he can.
3: I seek to show mercy to one who is beyond. And she's like searching for words. Like, I think she starts to mumble a bit, like, beyond my understanding. That's not quite right. Beyond the understanding of man, maybe. Maybe just beyond. There's something happening and i seek to to show this thing mercy in a way that is not the kind i have shown before i seek to offer it release in a in a different way not from a suffering it endures but it's hard to understand. I'm not quite sure of the words for it. I don't want it to be released upon, and she sort of gestures at the church and the town and says, but I want it to be gone from here, but not, I don't seek to harm it if I don't have to. If that's the mercy I must show, then I will show it. But, i want to try a different approach. And seeing as you're the person I know with the most knowledge about... The... And she sort of looks up at the idol and she says, Esoteric? I thought I might ask for your knowledge, Father.
0: Huh. Okay, so... I think it is... Does she look at him when she says father? Is she looking at him? She meets his gaze. Yeah, she she makes eye contact when she says father. She's
3: uncomfortable saying it, but I think that's for different reasons. Yeah, I think there's a lot there that isn't said. I think she just but she does meet make like make eye contact with him cuz he's in a season full fucking smug asshole mode. So she like will give him this win. Like she is fully understanding of the fact that in order to get what she wants from him, she needs to give him this.
0: So yeah, you look at him and and he is still very smug. I mean, even smugger than, than you thought possible as his daughter his estranged daughter who hasn't spoke to him in five years, probably if not longer. Uh, No, No, it's five. Yeah. Hasn't spoke to him in five years has come to him for help. And this is just, you know, just as an asshole, it means a lot to him. It means a lot to him on other levels of his life that Alice is not aware of. Um, now I have to measure my response.
3: Should I roll dice, Kent? I have dice. I have dice. Everyone, I bought some dice. Um, what I do bought we... new dice to match my new D anD D character. <laughs> what are you rolling for? What would you? Um, matter? I want. I don't. Hmm. I feel like I want to get what I want from him, which okay. is like esoteric information about how I could possibly, like, like a broad idea. We'll. Figure out, like I will come up with something, right? Or or you will we'll figure it out. Okay. But I, I basically want to know how to apply the con the very human concept of mercy to this freakish alien creature that I this black mass that I believe is bubbling beneath town okay. um, in a way which will get it to not be a problem anymore. Okay, like some might say mercy would be releasing it because it is suffering by sleeping and it has no agency. That's not what I want. I want something else um maybe even just general information about how to show mercy to the unnatural but i have a i have a place i want to go with the next part of this conversation that i think you're aware of already
0: okay i'm sure I think you because i think i think the reverend has a vested interest in this oh man i've got to figure out how to do i need to roll dice i, I have should i because
3: i've reworked i've reworked like once and needs and stuff again but i feel like it'll it'll only come up if it comes up because we don't roll dice very often so i feel like it's it's worth it to mention it when it's there but like
0: roll dice because that'll help me zero okay. in on what i, mean, I want get to do. my damn dice yeah. all right so <laughs> we roll these d-
3: sixes in this game correct two and, d yeah. or yeah start off with one and then you know you can no. add so um okay so i bought these dice when i went to a local gaming store in morning town over new year's And uh, I bought a set of dice because I'm playing a Holy Sorcerer. They're like marble white with gold lettering, which I think is oddly appropriate for this moment, isn't it? So um, let's see. So 1d6 just for doing the thing, for basic competency. Um, I would argue that he's my dad, but also we're estranged and we don't care about each other that much on the same level. So I feel like that doesn't hurt or hinder. I think it cancels. Um, So as far as needs and wants if it pertains you get one die.
0: Right, yeah, if it if pertains. You, yeah, you you only get one out of it. So. If you break it, you get two though, right? Right. Okay.
3: Now, mechanically breaking it means that it's no longer like like it changes, right? It's like you can't use it to get anything for the rest of the session, right. but it's also like it's the, yeah. the need will change.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I mean if you've prepared this, like this is something you prepared, you can get an extra one. Like you've prepared this moment. I feel like I've been thinking about this moment okay. for a really long then time. add another
3: one. So I'm going to roll three uh, because I have prepared, I have a die, and I'm going to use my need, I'm not going to break it, to um, to defeat the thing, my need, to uh, defeat the evil that dwells here. Okay. So you um, just need a five or a six. Okay, so I'm rolling three dice. I'm going to roll two right now, and then I'll re-roll one. Okay two ones. who boy, let's roll again and hope we do better. These dice are weighted and I don't like it. That's a four. so no, no fives, no sixes. Okay. Does that confirm for you where this is going now, Kent?
0: Uh okay, sort of. Um, so you're looking for him to tell you to tell you what. If I got a five
3: or a six, I would like something more explicit
0: yeah right he would be
3: like giving me more not like not like hey i'm gonna drop the reverend act and level with you here this is what you need to do but like he would give me more clues so he can be vague as fuck oh i've got
0: it oh i've got it okay so because you failed okay so you say what you say and you look up at him and he's smiling and he brings his hands out from behind and and kind of you know, puts them together in front of him in front of his, I mean, just in front of him. Uh, and he smiles even bigger, his mouth parts and his Gosh. teeth Shit. show.
3: Oh, can I know what you're about to do?
0: He says, motherfucker. says, daughter. Alice, my daughter who is turned away from me and from this church and from everything we believe in. I'm going to show you the mercy, uh, of reservation and he stares at you and oh god what's the word i'm looking for he's basically mean, telling you to fuck off and figure it out for yourself yeah
3: i figured that's what he was so, so we'll, i'll cut him off right i'll cut him yeah. off as he's like going on the mercy of reservation and alice says ah oh, so i've got to figure it out on my own that's what i thought give a man a fish he eats for a day yeah. teach your man to fish he fucks off out of your church and she gets up, lights a cigarette and starts to leave. But then she, or goes to light a cigarette and she goes, wait a second, no, hold on. And then she turns around and puts the cigarette back in the pack and puts it back in the pocket of the jacket that she's put on. And she says, and she looks at him and she says, um, if you were suffering in true anguish, knowing what awaits you after your death, certain as you are as a priest, would you want to be shown mercy? Would you want that which you ask of others to give, to be given to you? And she smiles, and then she says, knowing even then that wanting mercy may make you unworthy of it. And then she smiles like, gotcha,
0: fucker. And I think I think you see that, his smile waver a little bit. And Again. he says... I believe you are leaving. And she, like, approaches.
3: And she says, I understand. And she says, I do not mean to upset. She says, but... Um, I would not mind occasional contact more often than we have had. I'm not so ready to commit myself to you and the gestures of the church this... At this moment, but surely you understand an unwilling sheep cannot be brought to flock. And she hands him a piece of paper. She says, it's a phone number. You do have those in your 300-year-old church, correct? And she like smiles a little bit and she says, like puts it up on the podium. Like she doesn't give it to him. She puts it up on the podium. She says, it would not be amiss if you were to contact me in a week or so, when things have died down. I've enjoyed this conversation more than it might appear. And she turns and leaves.
0: And I think as she goes, the reverend stays standing until she's gone, uh, and then turns, takes a piece of paper, and slides it into his pocket of the shirt he's wearing, and walks to the door in the back of the church, opens it, goes through goes out into the pouring rain because the rain's really coming down now, crosses the graveyard, doesn't notice that the graveyard has a visitor, uh, crosses the freshly filled-in grave from earlier in the evening, gives it a glance and walks by and goes back to a building that is beyond the graveyard, opens it, steps inside, and we just see the reverend. And he stands for a moment and his fists clench. And he shakes a little. And he says, clearly, my daughter is going to be an issue. And then we fade from that. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Visit row 2 playpodcastcom for more information. R-O-L-L-2PlayPodcast.com Like us over on Facebook at Row 2 playpodcast Follow us on Twitter at Roll2PlayPod. Have a question or comment? email us at road2playpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to play with the game with us, just hit us up on any of our social media and let us know. And lastly, our music is the intro track from the Spellbreaker EP by Try Tachyon. Visit soundcloud.com slash